Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Living with XXY podcast series. I'm your host, Ryan Briganti. So today we have a mother named Yvette, and she's going to be talking a little bit about her son, who's two and a half, named Fam. Um, how's it going? Hi, how are you? I'm glad to be on here. Yeah, it's incredible to finally get you on here and kind of share your story. So what was, um, you know, just to let everyone know, you were diagnosed in utero, and can you kind of, like, you know, walk us through, did you do NIPT testing, and, and why did you do that, if you did? Yes, so I did do NIP testing because I was considered a geriatric mother. I had my, you know, I got pregnant, you know, I was over 35 years old, so they recommended that. And I found out that he did have XXY, um, you know, from the NIPT. And so when you found out, when, when you, do you remember how the diagnosis or how the, since it's not a confirmation, but it's a flag for XXY, do you remember how that was delivered to you when you found out? Well, first, um, I looked on my chart. So I, I belong to this thing called my chart. So you have access to your chart like all the time online. And before I got a call from somebody, I read it. And um, then I saw like evidence of Kleinfelter syndrome. And, you know, immediately I started Googling and wondering because I've never even heard of XXY or Kleinfelter syndrome before, you know, my son was diagnosed in utero. And so how, when, when you, when you found out, like, can you explain kind of the emotions and how, how that went about for you? Oh yeah. So I, um, you know, I talked with a doctor, I met with a genetic counselor and, you know, it was kind of nerve wracking because, you know, I think a lot of the stuff on Google at the time, right. I, it might've changed, but was kind of negative and I like my husband and I were we've been trying to conceive for a while you know we're an older couple and um we were thinking should we go through with this um because we had no idea we didn't really have the education right and um like I saw your website and I said you know what there's a lot of positive you know factors and it's not just negative so I want to thank you and your team for what you do and shedding some light, some positive light. And you guys actually helped us decide to keep our son because I didn't want an abortion. Like I, I don't, I don't really like the idea of it, but I wasn't sure like what kind of quality of life he was going to have. And, um, and then there are like, the genetic counselor gave us that option. I said, wow, why is she giving us an option to have an abortion? Like what's wrong with my baby? So, you know, it was really hard. I think during pregnancy, I had an easy pregnancy, right? I never had nausea or anything, but my mental was all messed up. I felt so nervous the whole time. I'm like, oh, oh my God, are we making the right decision? Is he going to be okay? Is he going to have a good life? Like, are we doing what's right for him? You know, so it was it was a difficult period. Do you feel like the way it was represented um, by the genetic counselor offering termination that that was like a 
mess with your mind a lot? Like, do you feel, and then by Googling it and seeing the information that was online and worried about the quality of life of your son, did you, do you feel like that, you know, coming from someone that's supposed to be knowledgeable about this condition and offered termination, do you feel like that was something that like really kind of made you constantly think back and forth, like what's going to be the best? Yeah, I, I, I definitely believe that. Um, and then I was given a, a bunch of paperwork about Klinefelter syndrome too. And it was quite overwhelming because it was very scientific and it was about issues related to it, like learning disabilities and stuff like that. And I said, oh my gosh, um, like, are we ready for this? Can we handle this? Um, is this like, yeah, I felt like it was kind of a negative tone. But I mean, they didn't push for abortion, but they offered it as an option. And they they wanted me to be sure. They were like, are you sure you want to follow through with this pregnancy? And when someone asks me that question, it's like, oh, I mean, why wouldn't I want to follow through with this pregnancy? Like, what's wrong? What What is the big issue about it? Like, and then, you know, of course, you delve into all this um online stuff that sometimes is dated right so yeah it was it was oh i'm sorry no no go ahead yeah it was just like a lot of negativity um our families were both you know very uh supportive and they felt like he's gonna be fine everything's fine they didn't want us to terminate so we had that support but just to hear from the genetic counselor was a little it, we, we got taken aback from that. So you decided to open up and tell your family about um, the diagnosis when you received it? Yes, because you know what? Generally, I'm a very open person and I felt like they're family and like, why wouldn't we tell them? You know, like they, they deserve to know. And, you know, when Sam is of age, I'll definitely let him know too. But like, I mean, obviously at this point in time, he won't understand it, but I feel like it's so important to um, let family and close friends. I let my very close friends know as well. And so how, how did that kind of feel for you when you were going through this really rough time in this period of finding out this diagnosis after trying for kids for a long time and, and then having, you know, telling family and friends, were you worried about any like negative or in or ignorance or, was it something that you you wanted support, you wanted people to know, and you knew that they were going to be behind you the whole the whole entire time? Yes, I think um, the kind of family and friends we have, they're very supportive. And like us, they didn't know much about Klinefelter syndrome either. So, um, and actually a few of my friends follow living with XXY as well. And I, you know, shared it with them just so that I can educate them a little bit. But um they were they they supported us and they knew like the struggle we've been wanting kids and um like they they knew how we felt so we never got any backlash from them um it was really more the professionals not even my OBGYN it was the genetic counselor oh man that's that's really frustrating to hear that people that are trained you know to handle to educate um, people in our community, we, we've had quite a lot of mothers tell us that they've had really uh, bad experiences with genet- genetic counselors or geneticists telling them about the termination and then asking them exactly what you've gone through about 
you know, do you want to continue? Are you sure? Um, kind of putting doubt, kind of putting doubt in your, in your, um, already hormonal body, um, kind of doubting your decision in some, in some aspect, which is not okay. Yeah. And I think because of my diagnosis and because of my advanced age, we had so many ultrasounds, um, which was nice though. I did enjoy that because I got to see him all the time. Right. That was like the positive part, but yeah, it was even like when I had the CVS, that's something, I guess when you're past 35, a lot of people do that anyway, just to make sure there's no defects and all that. But in the end, it's like, if you know you want this child, would you really want to terminate them anyway, even if there was something wrong? You know, it's, I guess it's debatable. Some people feel different about that. But So when was it that you found, like, when you started Googling it and you started to see all the information online, when was it that you, I know that we talked on Instagram, um, mm-hmm. when was it that you found living with XXY and, and kind of how did that, you said that we helped save your son's life. So how did that impact you? Oh, so you guys, like, you guys saved a child's life essentially, right? Because um, I don't know. Honestly, I can't even remember how I found you. Maybe I was Googling, like, XXY and, um, like, organizations or something like that. I must have been Googling. Um, and I, I came across you guys. But I think it was really fate that, you know, there's, there's a reason why you find things sometimes. And, um, you know, I can't imagine now looking at my son, like, how would, like, imagine if he wasn't born and, and the kind of kid he is now. Um, he's been through, I want to also advocate for um, early intervention because that's helped him so much too. Um, he had like a little you know, gross motor delay, like he was a late walker, right? So he did do PT for a little while and he didn't even have to do it for that long, but he needed that extra support, which was so beneficial to him. And then um, speech therapy, he's still in speech therapy, but he's actually doing so much better that I think the only reason why we have a speech therapist for him now is for her to help him like communicate with the other kids to like, you know, be more social because he's a little shy, you know, but his speech is really good. And she thinks he's advanced in some ways than his classmates. So when you, when when you found the organization, um, you, if, and then you started to like see the, what, what kind of helped you, um, maybe with a perspective change or a shift in like, my son's going to be amazing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, even just your story and what you do, like I, I've told you before, I've sent you messages uh, on your posts and on your stories. Like I really like admire what you do. Um, you, you go all over the world to meet other boys and men with XXY and it's amazing. And like, I think what you do is amazing and all the other all the other stories from men and boys that have XXY and their talent um, is what, you know, um, made, made us decide to keep Sam. And it's like, it humanizes it too. Cause you see other people, you see their experiences, you hear them explain, you know, what was going on. And like one day when Sam's old enough, I will show him your, um, Instagram and your website so that he can see other 
um, boys and men like him. Like he's not the only one. There's a support system out there. So was it, do you remember kind of how many weeks pregnant you were when you found the information and did, were you able to, you said you had a high stress pregnancy. Were you able to relax a little bit and know that like things are going to be okay? Yeah, I prayed. I um, meditated because I feel like just to relax myself and that helped me also with the pregnancy and delivery. Um, yeah. And yeah, just connecting with you. And I think we've chatted a couple times too, even when I was pregnant. Um, it was just what I needed. And I like, I wasn't set on abortion anyway. I was like 80, 90% ready to go through with it. I think my husband kind of needed a little more convincing, but I also shared with him your Instagram and showed him all the stories too. So I convinced him, you know, we've been trying and this child's going to be fine. We're going to be fine. We have, we have like um, support and we have references and help. Like we know, like we have to just, you know, if we need to see a doctor or like have a team for him, we can do it. And we talked about being ready to do whatever we, we needed to do for our son to help him be successful. So can we talk about pregnancy and just a little bit about like him coming into the world as far as that goes I mean what you know it was on your it was on your mind that your son could potentially have this diagnosis did you follow through with like an amnio or or CVS to confirm in, in utero before he was born yes I confirmed with a CVS so um yeah I would um I'll give you a little background story so I I he was conceived in May. I found out that I was pregnant with him in June. Like right away, I just knew it. <laughs> I just had a feeling I, I was late on my, you know, I didn't get my period right away. And um, so I remember getting the CVS in August. So, and finding out in June that I was pregnant with him. Okay, so you, and, so you did it. You yeah. did it right away. Like you found out the sex of of your baby, and then you did the CVS pretty much right after. Yeah, because I I kind of wanted to confirm it, and um, you know, kind of know what was really going on because everything was like I was a little overwhelmed, and I didn't understand the diagnosis so well. So I wanted to also make sure there were no other issues with the pregnancy, and um, I think. CVS, you can do earlier in the pregnancy than the amniocentesis. And CVS is a little less invasive than the amniocentesis. So what was it like once you confirmed the diagnosis? Did you did you continue to question the pregnancy or was it something that we found the resources, you guys, you know, accepted that your son was going to have XXY and just carried on with pregnancy? Yeah, I, well... I knew we were going to have them at that point that we weren't going to terminate. Um, of course I was still worried. And, um, not long after the CVS, my husband and I took kind of like a baby moon. Um, I'm glad we did because of COVID <laughs> not long after he was born, but we did end up going to, um, Europe. We went to London and um, Paris and I don't know if it was a stress that I had or, um, Maybe it was like right after the CVS, but I started bleeding and I was so nervous. I remember going to the hospital in London to make sure he was okay, that, you know, he, that nothing happened. 
so it, it ended up that he was okay, but it was probably the procedure that I had that caused me to bleed a little bit. And so when he was born, did, did, uh, you know, when you had him, did XXY or any of that stuff pop into your mind, um, when he was born or was it kind of like, it was not there and it was just like, wow, this is a beautiful baby boy and he's mine and he's my son and here he is. Well, okay. So yes, of course, like it was a, a great moment for all of us. I mean, it was in the back of my mind, but it didn't take away the feeling that I had when he was born. And it was a really good uh, delivery. Like I had no issues. I did have to get induced though, because he was measuring kind of small. Um, it's called IUGR, intrauterine growth, something like that. But um, they thought he wasn't getting enough nutrition from me. So I um, ended up having him like a week before he was supposed to be born, which is not so bad. But they had to do like a, a balloon dilation on me. It's a, a way to get induced. And that like, because I never felt like contractions and my water never broke. But um once I had that and I had, I had to get like the side attack and Pitocin. I know I'm getting so medical. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's part of you. It's part of your pregnancy. It's part of, part of your story. story. Yeah. So after I, I, you know, had the side attack and the Pitocin, um, and I started feeling a little bit of the contraction, I knew that I wanted to get the epidural, but once I had the epidural, it was just so easy. Um, I felt like he came out in less like than a half an hour. So it was, it was pleasant. And, um, he came out like everything was normal. He came out six pounds, 12 ounces, 6.36 PM on February 11th, 2020 before the pandemic hit. <laughs> right before. you right before. And I want to attribute a little bit to maybe the speech delay. I can't only blame XXY to the speech delay because it could have been, we were quarantining for a bit as well. Um, I think a lot of kids um, also had speech delays because they weren't around anybody else. So just the just the isolation was maybe something that added attributed to the speech delay of just not being around other kids and and listening to other people and it's just mom and dad the whole time. Yes, exactly. And so, what other than speech delay? What you know what's he been like? What's it like having this little boy that, you know, a genetic counselor told you potential termination and kind of made, wanted to make sure that you were okay with moving forward with your pregnancy. And now your son is two and a half. What, what are the amazing things? What is he thriving? And what are some of the things that he might be struggling with? Oh yeah, of course. He is a highly intelligent boy. I tell you, like he's great with puzzles. He can say the ABCs now he can sing it. He can count, sometimes he counts from one to 12. Um, he, he likes dancing. He likes art. He likes to draw. I think right now the challenge is to just, just to get him out of his shell. You know, he's a little shy. He's not used to being around other kids. He started daycare in May. And he only stayed until in, the, in that particular classroom until August, like late August, because he aged out. So he was two and a half in August, and then he moved to a different classroom. So now it's only November, so a few months in this new classroom. And yeah, he's still like adjusting, and I see him close with his teachers. I think he gets overwhelmed with some, like the noise level sometimes. 
um, like, you know, some of the kids can be hyper. And I find him kind of gravitating more towards girls. I don't know if girls are less intense or what, but yeah, that's what I noticed. Like looking into the camera, we have access to the daycare camera like 20 minutes a day. And I try to see how he interacts with the other kids. But like if he gets a little push or nudge from his teacher or the spe- uh, speech therapist, you know, he's like talking with the other kids and playing with them. He just won't do it on his own. Not at this point. Is he is he more of like an observer? Yes, he does observe. He's very, he's like a thinker, like his dad. He's pensive, like always thinking. There's always something in his mind. It's in, it's incredible at two and a half that you're as a mom you can recognize these things in, in your child that are so detail oriented and being able to watch him through the camera um, through school I think one of the things for the maybe gravitating more towards women is a lot of us are really sensitive and really kind of emotional and we're drawn we're drawn to people other people's emotions and a lot of us mm-hmm. are like the really kind and caring. And when we see boys or me as an adult, when I see men, you know, jumping and chest bumping and screaming and being loud and obnoxious, I just look at them and I'm just like, oh, thank God I'm not like that. Um, (laughs) And so and I've always gravitated more towards women at parties, having conversations or I just think some of us just gravitate towards that because of the empathy and the sensitivity and and men or men can be a little bit more rough around the edges and aggressive aggressive and and not i think some of it could be confidence and and um i know that a lot of the guys with xxy have a little bit of low confidence or some of them have low self-esteem but i'd say more confidence based that um standing up for themselves or engaging like pushing themselves to go do something out of their comfort zone we're kind of the observer types. We want to watch and see how it's being done. So when we go mm-hmm. in, we're not being, we're not the one that people are like looking at us and laughing. Um, we're kind of trying to blend in and, and do something new. But like you said, um, being pushed is something that I think a lot of us need. A lot of parents don't like to do it, but I know that my parents pushed me in almost everything um, to push me out of my comfort zone into something new. And then what I didn't realize is if they didn't push me, I would have never known if I liked something new or not. And I got to, you know, I got to try lots of new sports, lots of things that I wouldn't have done if my parents didn't push me. And I ended up excelling and being good at those things. So, um, kudos to you for kind of seeing your son and seeing, seeing the reaction that happens at two and a half of pushing him a little bit, um, and seeing how, how that plays out. That's uh, really good parenting. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I never went back to my job. Um, for a while I was with Sam, I only started working again, June, this past June, because, you know, I worked in a hospital, so I was afraid of bringing COVID back to my family. Um, you know, there's so much exposure in the hospital, right? Um, I was supposed to go back uh, come back from maternity maternity leave in June of 2020, and I didn't start working June of until June of 2022. So I really got to know him well, and I was acting like kind of his teacher too, you know, at home with him. I mean, that's awesome that you can spend that much time with him, but it's it's also really glad that you've realized that okay, he's only been with us this whole time, and that he's two and a half, and you're going back to work, and 
he needs to be put into those awkward social situations where he learns how other kids play and observes and sees new, just everything is new. It's going to be so good for his social and intellectual and all that, all that stuff. Um, you know, as, as he grows up. Yeah. Yeah. And I also wanted to share because, um, he has a developmental pediatrician and, um, the developmental pediatrician made us fill out like these parent rating scales and his teacher had to fill out, um, the teacher rating scales. And I wanted to share with you what his teacher wrote about him because you kind of said stuff about a uh, background about XXY boys. So, and it kind of resonated here. But what the teacher wrote about Sam is she said, Samuel is kind and loving. I have never seen an ounce of anger. He has a great smile that expresses his feeling. He has a great sense of humor. With encouragement, he is willing to try new things. And um, she also listed some behavioral and emotional concerns she has. And she wrote, and this is what we suspected anyway, shy, timid, quiet, gives his toys away to friends avoids his friends and slow eater. She noticed that he's a slow eater, but it could be, he has a mild tongue tie, but it never affected his appetite before. But, um, but some of the things you said, like the characteristics you said about people with XXYs are what some of the things that the teacher listed, like it's encouragement. He is willing to try new things. Um, he is kind and loving, um, quiet, shy, timid. It's interesting also the toys, like we, a lot of us will take the shirts off our back not thinking about like, oh, it's cold outside to give the shirt to someone else or to kind of just that, that analogy of life is we're always trying to help other people and better their lives. Cause we, a lot of people, a lot of the adults that I'm friends with, they say that, you know, they're the, the one that everyone comes to and asks questions and talks to. Um, and we're like the deep listener and, and an unfortunate aspect of that of being a really nice person in in society in general and to especially today's society is we get taken advantage of by the wrong people because they see they see that we're a hundred percent pure nice you know giving and caring and that will help other people and so sometimes the the people that don't deserve our help um take advantage of us and we don't really see it and so yeah. giving away, giving away toys or giving away. And, and that, that's part of being a child as well too. But I think, yeah. we're, I think the kind, caring aspect, there's not a lot of people like that in this world today. And that's something that we bring to the table um, that, and you know, a lot of parents, you know, worry about when they find the diagnosis like you guys did and professionals are telling them about termination and they read all the stuff online um, that, mm-hmm. that kind of brings me to my next question is like, why did you decide to like advocate for, um, your son? And why did you decide to like put yourself out there publicly? Cause I know that when I first met you, we talked and then you, you shared photos and you wanted them posted. And now you're here on a podcast kind of sharing your, your story. Because I believe these kids truly deserve a chance. I, I believe it's not a reason to terminate them. They're like, I mean, there is a spectrum, but still like there are resources. Um, I really recommend early intervention. It, it's helped Sam so much. Um, as a matter of fact, 
I'm glad I timed this podcast with you at this time because yesterday he met with the Morristown School District to find out because he's aging out of early intervention. At three, you know, he won't be eligible anymore, right? So he had to go for an evaluation with the Morristown School District to determine if he needed special education. And he blew them all away. He was awesome. They're like, he's not eligible. Like, his speech is great. He doesn't need, he's like at the level of all the, his peers, um, his, uh, his, like his growth motor is great. Um, and like they, they said, no, he's fine. So there was like about eight of us in that meeting, but you know, we had to do it because it was part of the, you know, it's part of like his diagnosis and um, it was just the next step. And also us being parents, we want to do what's best for our child. So if we feel like he does need special ed, um, you know, whatever will make him successful in school or do well in school um, and make him feel more comfortable, that's what we want to do. So we just did this to, to make sure. And we had a feeling that he was okay, that he was like doing well. But, you know, sometimes you're, you know, it's, you, it's your son. So you're going to be like, okay, he's fine. Everything's fine. But sometimes you like to hear the opinions of the um, professionals. A hundred percent, because you you want the you want the like um, not gratification, but you want the you want them to like re reaffirm the way you feel and mm-hmm. kind of it's it's great. How did kind of can you explain a little bit about like how you went about getting early intervention and is it covered by your state and kind of what, just a little detail about how early intervention was so helpful? Oh, yeah. Um, so honestly, it's been a blur, but I know we, my, well, my, one of my best friends, she is like a service coordinator in like, I guess where she is, it's a different county that she's in, but she's been like also a, a great help for me because like with all this information, you don't even know where to start. So I have a lot of friends in the business. Uh, one friend's occupational therapist and my friend's a service coordinator. So actually my friends helped me with the early intervention. And um, also once we knew that he was like a little delayed, um, I I don't know who we called. I don't, oh, it must've been um, our, his pediatrician. His pediatrician must've given us a number and then they, and then we called and then they did like virtual meetings and, that's when it was determined that he qualified for early intervention. And how kind of how did that what what age did you guys start early intervention? How old was he? So I want to say um, it was after a year. Um, we noticed that he was still not walking, that he was crawling a lot. Um, I think in June, June 2020, I think is when we started getting the ball rolling. And just... I think... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Also, like, the stress of a newborn life, like, me, us adjusting as parents and our life completely changing, like, the norm, like, for everybody, not having enough sleep, being kind of stressed out a little bit because, like, you know, you're not sleeping enough and they're trying to get their schedules right, the feeding times and stuff. I think... We, it got kind of pushed back and also COVID like having someone come to the house. I don't think we were very comfortable with that yet. So once we started feeling comfortable with 
of PT coming in the house, you know, we, we started the services. Well, that's awesome that they were able to come to, especially because it was over COVID most likely. So you were able to have them come to the house and, and, um, and did he, was he pretty receptive of having someone new in the house and working on his? Oh no. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, he used to cry as soon as he would see the PT. I think it's because they make them do so many exercises you know, they kind of like manipulate the body a little bit. And um, I don't know if it was her voice or what. And, you know, she was wearing a mask and I had to wear a mask while she was in here too. So maybe that had something to do with it. But um, yeah, I, I I think it helped a lot, but it was kind of painful a little bit because um, he, like, he didn't enjoy it. And he's close with his dad, to be honest. He's a little closer with his dad. Um, so when his dad was around and when he wasn't working, it would be a little easier, but his dad was still working. Like even if he was working from home, he'd have to be in his office. So he wasn't like always in the session. I was always like the person there, but um, yeah, in the beginning it was really tough. We we had a couple of sessions where he'd be okay, but um, I think it was because he was younger too. And it was just like a shock, right? She was not family. Like it's weird because these little kids, they know who family is and they're different around family. He knew that she was like kind of like a stranger or like, you know, someone making him do things he didn't want to do. Well, that makes, that makes sense. I mean, just to kind of, but then did he warm up to her once, once he started to see her more or was it continuing kind of that situation there were good days and bad days so she would come once a week for an hour um but I always had to be there like if she would tell me okay let's see how how he is if you just quietly walk away oh my gosh he would be he would be so upset (laughs) if I wasn't around but um that's PT but it's completely different with speech so different night and day I think he took to the speech therapist. It was so much easier with the speech therapist. I don't know if it had to do with her not being as physical because speech is just like talking and, you know, like using sign language and not really touching the body, right? Um, I don't know if maybe that had something to do with it or when he did have speech, he was a little older. But he loved the speech therapist. It invaded his, like being touched Oh, for oh, was it occupational therapy that what that it, what it was for? Um, no, he had physical therapy. That, oh, okay. That's the one where he was like a little traumatized because he was being touched in his personal space bubble was being completely like, um, you know, someone was in his personal space bubble and he didn't understand why. Yeah, like she would manipulate his legs, make him walk, and like, you know, hold his hand. I don't think he wanted he wanted to be touched by her like even if I was there right he just didn't feel comfortable or he didn't want to be bothered is there anything that you would tell you know if newly diagnosed mothers are listening to this or mothers with kids babies or young kids is there anything that you would tell them um, about your experience or something that you would just tell them um, in general I would tell them that Try not to worry so much. Um, I know it's easier said than done, but I've been there. 
um, it was really, and people noticed this about me too. They, they noticed that I was mostly stressed during my pregnancy. Pregnancy is supposed to be a joyous time and an exciting time. You know, you're preparing for the birth of your child. Um, you should be enjoying every moment. Um, and that was taken away from me, I feel. I feel that as long as you have the right support system, which I did, like my family and my friends, they were all for it. They were excited for me and Atish, my husband, um, beginning our family. Um, but like, like in the back of my mind, I was always wondering and doubting, like, am I doing the right thing? Is this baby going to have a good quality of life? And then I look back at it now and I said, and I'm thinking, he's having the best life. He's living his best life right now. There's so many people that love him and care about him and they don't think about him having XXY. That's like the fur furthest thing from their mind. Um, they love him just as he is. Um, and to be honest, if I wasn't if he wasn't diagnosed with it in utero, I wouldn't see anything different, you know? I think that's one of the most powerful things in general is, you know, we're hiding in plain sight and this is the most common chromosome condition in men. And yet nobody mm -hmm. knows about it. Doctors don't know about it. And a lot of our community feels that, you know, hiding behind the diagnosis because they can is more is is the right way to go with things and the reason I think one of the biggest things is I appreciate you opening it up and and I know that there's a lot of people out there that listen to these podcasts that want to remain anonymous and I think one day you know their voice will come forward and and they'll they'll kind of push themselves to do what you're doing and what other people in our community are doing is you know nothing will change if we don't raise awareness for this if we don't open up and advocate for our kids and talk about this publicly oh, yeah. and tell people and and that's my, one of the main things is like people say, oh, well, doctors and people don't know about it. Well, no one knows about it because no one in our community openly talks about it. And so and it's yeah. not like Down syndrome or autism where there's a physical feature that you can notice in public, out in public, that you can notice that something is different. Um, yeah. And so that I think that's the I think that's the hardest aspect of this diagnosis for most people is, you know, it's easier to just sit back and there's nothing physically wrong with my son. So no one needs to know about it other than the medical professionals or teachers potentially, but family, friends and talking about it, donating and doing all these things is not something that is in a lot of people's minds. And so it just kind of perpetuates the stigma that's out there. And it's really awesome to have parents like you that are putting yourself out there for your son and for also all the other families, potential new, newly diagnosed families, and then all the guys and everyone out there that's not really open about it yet is you're just putting yourself out there. And I really appreciate, you know, having you on the podcast today and just sharing a little bit about your story and talking about your son. Oh, thank you. And um, one thing is when I, cause I'm pretty, I, I'm open and I put it out on my social media platforms on Instagram, on Facebook. And when I did that, I found two friends that I know their kids have XXY too. And I was like, wow, see, it's very common. And it was nice to know that like they, they know they went through what I went through and like, like there's other people out there that I can talk to about it. And if I didn't bring it up and if I didn't let the world know and I feel like it's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, I wouldn't have known about their kids, their two sons. That's see, there's there's stories like that 
all the time that that get kind of I don't think they get told as much is that there are people that have opened up. There's guys that have opened up about their condition and they've met family friends that have a son with it or other they've you know gotten to know other guys that have it and we wouldn't we wouldn't know unless we talk about it. And I think that's that's an amazing you have amazing support network right there of that's kind of like giving back is sharing your story. You're helping mothers that are going to be in utero or younger, younger families push to get early intervention. And then you have two, you have two families that have maybe older kids than you and they can help you when, Oh yeah, this is when we had some of our hard times or whatnot. This is what we did. And, and then there's this like revolving door of just help and positivity. Yes, and your website has like resources and hospitals to go to. So I think that's very helpful too. Well, I appreciate having you on today. And is there anything else that you wanted to say that you haven't said yet? Do not abort these children with XXY, please. They deserve a chance. I'm very passionate about that. And um, I can't believe I even questioned it. You know, like I can't imagine Sam not being here in this world. Um, I'm glad that we had him and it's the best decision we've ever made. And um, if they have any doubts, go to your website, contact you, because I feel like these boys deserve a chance. Well, I appreciate that so much. And thank you for having, um, thank you for just sharing a little bit about your story and, and being open about the diagnosis and embracing your beautiful son and everything that he's capable of, despite the struggles that he may have. Thank you so much, Ryan. We'll I'll be in touch for sure. Definitely. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. 